So you're asking about Satipatthana. Um, let's start with from the very beginning of where the idea or the concept came from. The concept came from um, the old ancient way of looking at the world in the sense of elements. Now, modern mm -hmm. chemistry, we have more than 90, 92 plus everything that they can build at CERN, which I think there's another dozen or so. So there's over a hundred different uh, elements now. All right. But in the time of the Buddha, they looked at things in the sense of four elements. Now, actually, they were looking at it in a different way than what we would normally uh, see. So we can, if you look at water, you can see, in fact, that water goes into all of the various elemental stages. It goes into, yeah, it's like kind of a middle ground. Well, no, no, it depends upon the temperature. In other oh, yeah. words, uh, water can be solid. It can be Earth-like. That, in mm -hmm. fact, uh, um, it's very, very hard to find the South Pole, or let us say Antarctica, because of all of the snow on top of it. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to actually find the real place because there's so much solid ice on top, right? So that's one way of looking at it. Things that are solid and then things that are liquid. When you heat water up a bit, it becomes liquid. And most of the water on the planet Earth is in liquid form. Mm -hmm. But if you heat it up more, light it like... Um, the sunshine on the surface of the ocean will create um, a gas so that we have uh, molecules of water in the air. And that the hotter the air is, the more molecules of water it can hold. But when, and that's why when it gets cold, it generally rains. The water will fall back out of the air when it's hot. Now, when you get water very, very, very hot, then it's under pressure, it's under steam. And in fact, in physics, we call that fourth state of matter plasma. And plasma is when not only are the, the molecules shaking against each other, but they're shaking against each other with so much energy that in fact, uh, they rip each other apart. And that's and so, from water to air, where there's like yeah. that intermediary and where it's then, bouncing together really hard? No, no. The, uh, the air or the gas uh, would be like clouds in the air, for instance, okay. mm. as opposed to what we could also think of, but we're only thinking about it as pressurized steam, to where there is an actual fourth state of matter. And that fourth state of matter is called plasma that I'm speaking at that has so much energy. You see, when it's solid, there's very little. When it's mm -hmm. liquid, there's some. When it's a gas, there's a lot. But when there's really a lot, then it goes into a plasma state. And that plasma oh, okay. state is when it actually breaks down and it's not water anymore. Mm -hmm. But if you take the heat away from it, it will come, go back and combine and become what we know as water. Mm -hmm. All right. So these are the four states of matter that the ancients had, and they called it 
earth, water, fire, and air, with the mm-hmm. fire being the plasma part, and the, uh, the uh, air is like the water that's in the cloud. Okay. Okay, and they would actually look at fire as a fourth element because it's different than all the other elements. And then the philosophers come in and start adding other things like uh, consciousness and space. And so now all together they've got six elements. Okay, so when I when I'd read that before and heard people talk about it, uh, so like, yeah, you have the four elements and then it'd be like, um, you know, fire would be kind of a heat. You would have there be like a heat element associated with it. Um, air would be like spaciousness, like fast moving, like kind of what you're talking about, I think. Right. Is, is there still like that with fire? Is there still that like heat? Okay. Well, okay, let us put it this way. Solid means that it's fixed and doesn't move much. Yeah. And it's like very the hard like, to move mountains. Right. So it's Yeah, really like hard. your bones in your body, like it's solid, it's there, like it's not moving. Right. And our emotions are fluid like water in the sense that it uh, is always seeking its lowest level. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's the property of water is, is that water seeks its own level. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, the same thing is true with emotions, which means that when emotions are seeking their own level, they're generally at a pretty low level. <laughs> when the emotions are, so that's going to be like a really solid feeling? Well, no. What or, I mean or, by uh, that is, is that our, uh, though the body changes very slowly, our feelings change so that we can be angry, but we're not angry all the time like the body is the body all day long. That Mm -hmm. when we go to sleep, we're not angry, but when we wake up, we can wake up angry again, and then we can be angry for three or four days, and then we're not angry anymore. Yeah. Okay. As opposed then to the third element, which is normally referred to as fire, and the fire is actually the mind, the ability to put things together and tear things apart. That's the critical mind. It's very destructive. It, mm-hmm. it consumes. Yeah. And it depends upon which state of mind that you're in. And so we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. And then we can think of the thoughts as like clouds in the air. They go by very fast. Every mm-hmm. mind moment is a is a new breeze before we get too deep into that um i thought so um if i look at the saipatana sutta there's before we before you start looking at the elements you look at the repulsive and then before that um posture and then before posture i don't know something else and then before and then you get down to like just focusing on the breath um or does that like particularly matter or is like all this stuff going on at the same time so it's not oh so it's not like a a sequence of things you're supposed to do this is kind of just like a general approach um the buddha has a sutta uh that is called one by one as they occur Mm. and we're talking about it like that and a lot of people when they hear that phrase one by one as they occur means that they're going to occur in a particular sequence. Okay. But if you really look at it as one by one as they occur, means that it can occur at any time. Whichever one comes up, that's what we're looking at. That makes sense. Yeah, it's not necessarily 
So there's yeah, not particularly in worded. any order. It's just every, I mean, and the world is random. Things just come up and go and come and go and come and go. Okay, On so it's not like you sit down, focus on breath. It's like, well, you just deal with what's coming up or um, like. You, According to the yeah. level of mindfulness that we have. Is, oh, is well, okay. Comes up. That makes a lot of sense. All right. It takes a lot of time so, to get through all the steps. <laughs> Yeah. And once we understand it, it all fits right together. It's just got yeah, I'm sure. One thing. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying so, that. All right. So with the idea then of the of the four elements, the Buddha takes this as four natural elements. In fact, um, it could not happen any other way. But you can imagine that the way that it did happen was is that the Buddha wanted to describe the Dhamma to people, but he had to have a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, everybody in those days had the frame of reference of the four, uh, the, the four elements. Yeah. That was the way everybody thought then. Now that we go to chemistry class in high school, we don't think about it like that anymore. Yeah, the elements don't line up with how we talk anymore right yeah. exactly we don't line things up in these four um, ways of fire of uh, air uh, water and and solid mm. but this is the way that people thought about it in that time and so naturally the buddha used that as a frame of reference of the four elements and so this is he calls it then the four foundations which is an element. I mean, the elements are the foundational stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and that um, an example then of molecules is always a combination of elements. Mm -hmm. For instance, water is the combination of oxygen and hydrogen. Okay. And carbon dioxide is a combination of carbon, one carbon element and two oxygen. So these will be the building blocks for things later on? Right. Okay. So this is why, why we call it the foundation or the building blocks. In fact, it's exactly right. Mm. That's why in the old, old, oldest buildings uh, long ago, the biggest stones were the ones on uh, the foundation stones. Mm. But that's also true when they build big skyscrapers today is they mm -hmm. dig down and then they put these huge, huge pylons in as the foundation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the foundation then for everything are the elements. And in the time of the Buddha, the four elements was all they knew. So the foundations of everything then are, are these four foundations. And the Buddha says, okay, well, we're now, instead of having them as just merely the four foundations of all existence, we're going to start using these four foundations as objects of mindfulness. We're going to start looking at them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the whole idea then behind it is, is that our objects of meditation now become, uh, let us say, categorized in these four ways. Yeah. So that now we're going to start doing Anapanasati with the element of the body. And that's the first part of the Anapanasati Sutta and also the first part of the uh, Satipatthana Sutta. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, so the body 
And the way that the body, you, uh, the Buddha talks about the body is, uh, number one, we need to start breathing better. That's why the long in-breath is number one on his list. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, step number two is, is a shorter breath, but it is intentionally short rather than a shallow, deep, or let us say a shallow, ordinary breath. That, uh, uh, that the short breath is intentionally to get your energy up. Yeah, that's, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So you yeah. have that heart, yeah. Uh-huh. So the next item on the list then is, is to experience or to know the body, to understand the body. And that we do that through the breathing, that we come to know the body. We want to make it tingly alive. And... Then the fourth item on that list is, is that we want the body to be completely relaxed. Mm-hmm. You see, this is the part that most mes- Western meditators are missing, is they think that to them meditation is sitting on the floor in a meditation hall, cross-legged with their uh, uh, back straight, and doing all of the things that they have in all of the rules, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, definitely. The Buddha uses one word for that, and that is relaxed. 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 That that's the intention of Anapanasati, is to relax the body, to become at ease, to become easygoing. And that all of the analogies have to do uh, with that, have to do with stopping the work. And relax. Stopping the work. Stopping the work, okay? Um, an example of that is um, the holy life is lived pure as a polished shell. The work that had to be done has been done. Now, a lot yeah. of people will think about that work that uh, that needed to be done has been done means that I've sat in the meditation hall for year after year. I've been a monk for years and I've finally put in all the work this needed and now I'm finally enlightened and so finally the work is done right that's the yeah. way most people think because that's the western style the western mindset in our regard it is so the work right now has been done now all we need to do is to remove the hindrance from the mind and all the work that needed to be done has been done that's one's right effort one side like, effort is in fact very little effort. All we have to do is to remove our critical thinking, our, our um, remove critical thoughts, to remove unwholesome thoughts is all we have to do. And to now the work that needed to be done has been done. It's like last week when I asked you, how do I fix my sukha? And uh, it's not that like there's any trick to learn. It's just that the work could like, the mindset is like the work has been done, like you, you were successful. Um, right. That's the mindset you need to be in. Right. That's the right mindset, or we call it right attitude. Right attitude. The right yeah. attitude is, is that the work that needed to be done has just been done. Yeah, because I'm applying a lot of effort if I'm trying to fix those hindrances or like solve the problem. And it's kind of like the opposite. Well, it's the learning right. to not apply the effort. Okay. So. Let us say that you can walk into the room and you can see a big mess on the floor and you can say, okay, 
I need to clean up that mess. And I cannot feel good and feel happy until I clean that mess. So I get in there and I start cleaning up all of that mess. Mm -hmm. And after I cleaned up the mess, now I can relax and feel good. The job has been done. But there's Mm -hmm. another way of doing it. And that is you walk in the room, you see a big mess on the floor, and you say, oh, I don't need that. And you close the door and you walk away. (laughs) I don't need that mess. I don't have to clean up that mess. I could just forget about it. Mm -hmm. That and the, the time to forget about that mess is in that time when we are, in fact, deeply involved in cleaning up that mess. And we can just say, wait a minute, I don't have to do this right now. Yeah, I can leave that job undone, and in fact, the completion of the job is leaving it undone, and just say, I don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah, like, so the Westerners, like, we want to sit down and meditate and, like, kind of apply the rules, go through the steps and fix the problems, but it's a different attitude that we... It's a different attitude, and and the new attitude is, hey, there's no rules, there's no place to go, there's nothing to do. The job yeah, that needs to be done has been done. Let's sit down and relax and nourish ourselves. My, what a good boy am I. I've yeah. done the job that I needed to do. I have come out of my critical thinking. And that attitude lets you observe the like elements that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That means that everything that you do do then is a joy, a toy to play with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's give an example of um, that you're, say, for some reason or another, you're involved in a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. People who are involved in a lawsuit, and uh, I'm talking about everybody, lawyers on both sides, judges, witnesses, and especially the defendant and the, um, um, the prosecuting party, mm-hmm. all are mentally uh absorbed with that court case and very few of them no one in fact in that court case of all of the let us say three four to five maybe six people involved with that court case none of them feel like uh while that court case is is happening that they're okay they're waiting for the outcome of the case before they'll know whether they feel good or feel bad depending upon whether they win or they lose the case mm-hmm All right. What we have is the attitude of that is right now we're not in court. Right now we're not in court. We're not waiting for the result of anything. We're not waiting for the results of that child. We do not. Right now I'm not having to present my argument to the judge. I'm not in front of the judge in court in reality but I'm in front of the judge in my own mind thinking about that court case. And so I'm wrong and wrong and wrong wrong about that court case. Okay. I know I've been there, done that. I've been in court cases before, so I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Everybody in that court case was miserable. (laughs) I bet. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody's just like, I mean, I'm sure everybody's going crazy in court. I mean, there's just so many things going on. Like everybody's just waiting on the judge to declare the result. And that's like how my mind works, like a lot of the times. Right. Uh, But in fact, we wind up being being in court. 
you know, yeah, it's like, that's that critical mindset. Yeah, like maybe like once I toss out that bad feeling, everything will be okay or you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And so back to the uh, step four of Anapanasati, which is part of this body, is let's relax. The job mm-hmm. has been done. Or right now is not the time to be in court. Mm-hmm. Why should I be in court when nobody else is in court? Court's not in session right now. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the way to start to think about it is we're not in court right now. And so we have the tasks and the objects. That's what we're doing. We're not in court. We're not like involved in the world or worrying not about tomorrow. Right. Right. We can we can do it tomorrow. I like that song that's coming from Annie. You know, the the musical. The mm-hmm. sun will come out tomorrow. Yeah. The sun will come out tomorrow why worry about today or why worry about all of the problems when everything's going to be okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's like um the task is the breath or like whatever the object is that's the task we're successful in that we're doing that we're not involved in whatever's not the objects the right we're in in fact we set the work down we set the work down yeah we set the work down, and I, I just set it down. I don't have to do anything right now. I don't mm-hmm. have to. And when I say set it down, in that regard, the lawyer right now does not have to think about the case. Mm-hmm. He's already thought it through a dozen times, no more. He's done it. He knows what he's going to say to the judge, finally. And what he's thinking about right now, he may not even say to the judge. So why have to think about it right now? I can put that case down. Yeah. And when I do put it down, now all of the work that needed to be done has been done. What work did I put down? I put down thinking about that case. I just set the case aside. Yes. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Can you keep putting things that you're actually not doing right now aside? Another example would be the carpenter who is uh, designing, a, a, say, some lattice work that he's going to put uh, into a hotel or something like that. While he's actually doing the lattice work, that's the work. But in the evening time, when he puts his tools down and walks away from that lattice work, why does he keep thinking about that lattice work? <laughs> right? It's why does he keep time to put it down and be here now yeah exactly um it's uh, yeah i guess like so if i'm sitting there and i don't know maybe something pops up in my head um like a i don't know maybe that court case pops up or something and i start thinking about going to court the next day um Mm -hmm. then yeah i'm not going to be focused at i'm I'm not going to be like being able to observe the breath like i guess we've talked about the slideshow before it's like more of the slides are dedicated to the court than the breath that's kind of out of balance it's so out of balance. it's like exactly. that intention because, mm-hmm. to have the breath as the sole thing occupying the slides or um, the object and let us say yes that's true but the frame that i would use would be the frame of reference that we're substituting something wholesome and happening right now yeah with something that's unwholesome and is really not happening right now that yeah. is actually in a way it's delusional mm-hmm. 
for the guy to talk to think about being in the court and thinking about talking to the judge where in fact the judge is not here mm -hmm. this is not court we're sitting on the porch we're not sitting in court okay yeah all right and in fact uh if you think of it like that um never mind the life of a judge because that's something different but let's talk about it in the sense of of the lawyer your average lawyer spends very little time of his day in court mm -hmm. he's in his office doing paperwork or making right. phone calls but they spend an awful lot of mental time thinking about being in court yeah so i think i missed something there that you're you're kind of pointing out it's like where are you at right now mm -hmm. right so and i think the sadi patana suda says that like situation like knowing the situation like no like whether it's walking standing sitting exactly what is happening right now if we're not in court your, set it aside that the fact is you're not in court therefore yeah. you can set court aside mm -hmm. court is not here what is real right now what is real this body is real here it is yeah what is real the feelings that we have about court is mm -hmm. right here when we're thinking about court. The court yeah. is not here, but the feelings about court are right here. Okay, the next one is what is right here is the thinking mind, that mind that's burning. What is it burning? It's burning court. Mm -hmm. And the object of the mind then is the clouds of the mind. This is the smoke of the spent fuel of thinking about the court. In other words, our thoughts, our thoughts, our thoughts, our thoughts. But under those thoughts is this boiling pot of the mind that's concocting all of this stuff. Boiling pot that's concocting, like kind of the fuel for the fire. The fuel for the fire of the thoughts is the burning mind. The mind mm -hmm. is hot. Yeah. And it's thinking about the court, it's thinking about what am I going to say to the judge. And in a way, these are unwholesome thoughts because they're painful mm -hmm. in the sense that a work in progress is not a job done. It's not finished yet. It's cooking, right? And so it's this cooking process that we're constantly cooking and cooking and cooking. That's why the mind is considered the fire is because we're constantly cooking things. Yeah, like, like we don't need to be cooking all the time. Yeah, it's like my there's a my there's a fire my mind is making and it's like I can't take my eyes off of it. Mm -hmm. And when we recognize uh, through sati and through wakefulness, wait a minute, I don't have to think about that now. I do not mm. have to have that fire uh, cooking the court right now. Yeah, that I can set that aside. Job well done is the setting aside of the undone work. Mm. That's the job that needs to be done is to put down the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's like everything's burning. Like you said, it's like uh, there was what the fire suda. I, I forget the name of it, but yeah, I think it was like the fire suda. Mm -hmm. I was reading through the other day. It's like everything's on fire. And like as soon as you can be bored of that and not want to be like glued to it then you can let go of it was kind of what I got out of it, but I don't know. Exactly. 
So you can see now then that's why the Satipatthana, which then is the all-encompassing of the elements, mm-hmm. the fire element, which is the mind, the cooking mind. We so that's the, the same air. fire element. Uh-huh, it's the same fire element, okay? And that the, uh, the thoughts then are the smoke and the clouds that are put off by the fire, the cooking fire. Mm. That's the thought process that's going on. And mm-hmm. it it's constantly in motion, constantly changing. Mm, yeah. Okay. Every time it changes, you can think of that as what we call a mind moment. Things just keep happening over and over and over and over and over again. Just because if you see any kind of log fire, you can see that things are crackling and popping and burning and uh, flames shoot up and flames shoot down and, and smoke is billowing constantly and yeah. that's what we are we're on fire and yeah, the product of fire. our fire our thoughts mm. and when we recognize oh no those thoughts in fact and all of that fire uh is in a way consuming me so we wind up with all of these feelings that are let us say um heated up to the point of boiling mm. Yeah. And so these are all of the elements that we have. We have the body, we have the feelings, we have the mind, and then we have the production of the mind, the clouds or the smoke that that is there. This is the Satipatthana, and this is exactly the way that we want to practice Anapanasati, is to work directly with these elements. Mm, okay. Okay, and so Satipatthana Sutta has four elements, and Anapanasati breaks down into those four elements and has four different aspects for each element, giving rise to the 16 steps of Anapanasati, except that they're not really steps. They're not steps, it's just approaches that you can apply to the situation. Exactly. So with the body, we have in the Anapanasati Sutta the long breath, the short breath, the experience of the body and the be here now with all the touching and the sitting and all of the experience that we have. And right here on the porch, there's a lot of breeze going on. There's, I mean, there's just constantly uh, the air around is in motion, but I can feel all of that with the body when I'm paying attention to it. And when I'm not paying attention to it, I'm missing out on so much that's happening because we're thinking about things or in the head rather than in the present moment with the body. Yeah. Now, also part of the body is not just the sensory input from the from the touch or from the deep proprioceptic, but also part of the body. The body is like a huge antenna. And that with the ears, we pick up sounds. With the eyes, we pick up sights. With the odors, we uh, with the uh, air, we pick up odors and smells and whatnot like that. And a lot of it comes in and is not properly processed because we're not paying any attention to it. Yeah. An example of that, in fact, the one that's the most humorous at all is, is that a guy's walking down the street and he's being approached from behind by a robber. Now, we can be approached from behind because city streets, there's people all over the place. Mm. 
But when the robber comes up with his attention, for some reason, the hair on the back of the neck will stand up. And yet, if he's not aware of that, then he's going to get mugged. But if he's aware that, wait a minute, something's going on here. Let me pay attention to what's happening. He's more than likely not going to get mugged. Sure, yeah, they can look around. And okay. That's just, a, uh, right. So it's talking about then situational awareness comes through the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to know, like, you want to know where the fires are at, kind of, right? Like, you want to know what where the smoke is at, like, where, what's going out of control. In, in, and that in awareness way, comes yeah. through the body. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, in, in a way, yes. Uh, what we're actually meaning is, is that, um, part of the waking up process, the exact example you've heard before is to wake up and smell the coffee. You've heard that? Mm-hmm. Okay. What that means is, is to wake up to become alert. And now the coffee, the smell of the coffee is a sensory input. That when you were sleeping, you didn't have that sensory input. So waking up and smelling the coffee, another way we can say is wake up and see what's happening. Or another one is to wake up and hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the wake up process is basically to come out of our dreamlike state that's in the mind and come into the reality of the sensory input of what's happening on the outside through the body. Okay. Yeah. Because most of the feelings that we have on the inside are associated with the fire that's burning in the mind. And when the mind is stopped burning and it's in sensory input, then we're okay. So if if we go back to the elements, okay, so like a lot of times, you know, fire, I guess, would be in charge. Like my mind's going out of control um, and I'm really focused on that. Um, mm-hmm. But like um, if I take a couple of deep breaths um, and notice the air element, um, is it would it be wrong to say that's more like outward facing like i'm more paying attention to the sensory inputs coming in and then maybe like water would be like kind of the internal feelings and then it's, it's almost like um a catch-22 or a uh a paradox in the sense of the spiritual life is it really going inside or is it going outside that's fair yeah Because in some respects, we can talk about, yes, it's actually going inside because we're no longer paying attention to the cultural world of the humans. Mm. And we're going inside in the sense of looking at what's really going on within our own mind, rather than being concerned about what's in the mind of all of the people in our society. Well, I guess that's one way of looking at it. To rephrase that a little bit, like, yeah, like, um, I guess those elements pervade all through your awareness, right? Like, um, so if I was, like, focusing on the air element, then maybe that would, like, pervade my awareness or my attention. And, like, I'd feel, um, I don't know, spaciousness or, like, the breeze. But uh, those seem to, I guess I was just trying to say, like, those feelings seem more associated with, like, outward-facing senses, like, you know this feeling on my skin of like the air hitting it or like, you know, sounds coming in, like my body's not really reacting to it. It's just kind of like letting things process. Is that unfair? Like that, that air elements kind of the, 
Okay, well, let's look at that then from that. I'm sorry, that that's context. a sidetrack. We don't have to. All right, so the air element then is in the Pali, we would call it the Dhamma Nupassana, as opposed to the Kaya Nupassana, which is the body, the, the Vedana Nupassana, which is the feelings, the Chitta Nupassana, which is the mind, the Dhamma Nupassana. Now we can actually pay attention to the actual physical air on the outside in the sense of the touch of the skin the body we live in a soup and the mm -hmm. soup that we live in is the actual physical air the physical element okay but we're talking about it in the sense of a dhamma element in the inside the mind is what is in the content of the mind what is in the content of the mind? Okay. What What is the content of yeah, the mind? Yeah. We recognize it is actually quite airy-fairy. That this mm -hmm. thought comes and that thought comes, this, this breeze goes and here's this smoke and here's this cloud and it just comes and goes and comes and goes back and forth like that. This is a way of looking at it. And in okay. fact, in the Anapanasati Sutta, it actually mentions it in the sense of a Nietzsche. But normally what we do is we get um, attached to the features of our thoughts, like, for instance, thinking about court. But the reality yeah. of it is, is that um, that when we're thinking about court, it's jumping around all over the place that that is uh, is very airy fairy. It really. Um, We'll have an instant thought of the judge in his robes. We'll have an instant thought of the courtroom itself. We'll have an instant thought of what my preparation is. And it just bounces all over the place, bouncing back and forth. This is why they call it the monkey mind. Yeah, it's like transitioning between these different phases. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. And what we need to do as a, an observer, uh, as a practitioner of Anapanasati, is look at that jumping and jumping and jumping. Okay, so why is it, it jumping is because it's never quite satisfied with the thought that it's own, which means that the monkey is jumping from one hot stove to another hot stove and he yeah. never finds rest. Okay, I've been thinking about that wrong because like, you know, I guess most of the we talked about is look at the breath. And I just noticed when you look at the breath, you know, it feels a little more airy. But like I'm not forcing that like I'm kind of just observing that airiness. Like, so maybe if I was had a different object, you know, there'd be fire or earth or something like that. And so our job is just kind of look at the transitions, like notice how the mind's working. Well, mm -hmm. not job, but we're, I guess we're putting down exactly. the work. Exactly. We yeah, begin see to see on. how the mind is working and the fact that it constantly is moving from object to object to object because it's dissatisfied with every one of them. We're critical of every place that the mind lands. Okay, so yeah, like if I was, maybe if I took a deep breath and noticed that fire element is present or like my mind's really burning up right now, um, it would be hindrance almost to just say like, oh, I wish there was more air quality present and then try to move it that direction. You, That's not what we're think, doing. Well, you can think of it that way, all right? Okay. If, if that's useful and valuable for you, you can think of it that way. But but basically, let's talk about it in the way that the Buddha talks about it, is what is the condition of the mind? Yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to explain my misconception. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. let's look at the condition of the mind. Not right. What is the condition of the mind? Is it sharp and focused? Is it dull? 
uh, are we filled with the hindrance of, of uh, torpor? Is it sleepy? Is it tired? Is it drowsy? Is it sharp? Is it focused? Is this the best it has ever been? Or is this in between? Mm. Yeah. In other words, is the mind exalted right now? Is it really on top of the show? Yeah, and we're really on top of everything, or do we feel like that we're buried under a bunch of stuff? Yeah. Okay, so this is the state of the mind, which you could also say is the state of the fire of the mind, in the sense of I put have I put too much wood on this fire? <laughs> okay. Like the court cases, you keep piling stuff on and piling stuff on and piling stuff on, and, and even the mind becomes overwhelmed when we keep piling stuff on. But it always has the quality of being dissatisfied. How can we change those thoughts then to be nurturing wholesome thoughts so that the mind becomes satisfied? In other words, we're thinking about now how to actually cool the fire off. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how we cool it off is by robbing it of its fuel. What is the fuel that is burning is these unwholesome thoughts that gives yeah. rise to that stinky, smelly smoke. The thoughts, okay. It's okay. not the attention? That's the sati, to keep waking up. And to keep waking up and making sure that in this moment we're putting good fuel on the fire of the mind. Yeah, okay. Other than putting unwholesome, dirty fuel. Mm -hmm. Okay, because a fire can burn with refuge or it can burn with uh, uh, twigs. Yeah, a like twig. if you're having a lot of bad, yeah, if you're like constantly thinking about the court case, it's what you're going to be continue thinking about. Like if you keep stoking that fire. It's going to be very smoky, very hot, but, uh, but uh, not burning well. Yeah. Okay, Big so cloudy, we can think yeah. of it like that. So the, the fire element of, of the mind then is we want it to be well and properly fueled. Yeah, we're, we're waking up and we're seeing what's present. Like, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we're like what noticing. What is actually useful, valuable, beneficial, and wholesome kind of uh, mental states or mental fire versus heavy, burdened, uh, uh, difficult thoughts thoughts of and then in fact the buddha talks about it in sutta number 19 in in the regard that's very classical buddhist and therefore difficult for western uh people to understand but the three that he has is thoughts of greed thoughts of ill will and thoughts of harm yeah uh, uh and so um what we're now wanting to do is uh, not have thoughts of harm. So if we have thoughts about, oh, that's a really tough judge, or in another case, some uh, the, the guy who I'm suing, he really did me wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Those are the kind of thoughts then that are unwholesome. Yeah. That he did me wrong. And I'm going to go to take him to court. I'm going to do him some wrong too. Okay, so thoughts of harming things, thoughts of I'm going to get even, thoughts of revenge, thoughts of, um, but there's another kind of thought that's, um, um, that is say that's harmful in that way, is just the monkey mind jumping from thing to thing to thing and never landing in a place 
that's comfortable. It's always moving from one hot object to another to another. The yeah. monkey mind is like that, and we become unsettled in that way. Yeah, it's not okay. resting like you're, you know, you're, yeah. And so when we change the practice then from uh, that ordinary mind state to where we're critical of everything, then we can begin to tell ourselves this is what, what that stage of gladdening the mind is so powerful and so important from the teaching of the Buddha is to start telling ourselves, hey, wait a minute. I can put that fire down right now. I don't have to feed that fuel. Yeah. I don't have to be critical. I can be nurturing instead. That's the remark that the Buddha made when he's under the bow tree. Aha, I see you, Myra. I see that fire. Yeah. I see the fuel I'm putting on it. Let's not do that. Aha, I see you, Myra, means that now I'm going to change those unwholesome thoughts into wholesome thoughts, including thoughts that are not being harmful, but whether they're thoughts of healing. Okay. Thoughts of putting a almost mental salve. An example of that would be like a mosquito bite, that if that mosquito bites and um, it got a whelp and it itches, the unconscious mind wants to scratch it. Yeah, And so you can see when people are talking to each other and, and one will be doing this and scratching and all kinds of stuff like that, but they're, they're doing it absent-mindedly or they're doing it with a different part of the mind. And the, the part of the mind that they're doing it with, the scratching, is the part of the mind that does not like the itch. And so we scratch Not like this. Yeah. Okay, so that's exactly then what's going on inside the mind. The monkey mind is scratching at an itch. Okay, so, so yeah, like... Ignorantly. So an example would be like maybe um, something happens at work and it makes me anxious. And then if I close my eye or like, you know, if I'm paying attention, um, yeah, you can see that your mind wants to focus on that. And so we'd want to, like, if we remove the fire, like, if we, we can, like, kind of... We're trying to scratch it. Yeah, we're trying to scratch it. So we want to, like, not scratch it. Um, well, there's more to it than that. We want to also that is, is that add we recognize. Well, uh, when we recognize that scratching actually disturbs that mosquito bite or that the scratching of the thought of the, about what happened at work actually is making it worse yeah so i guess like my approach for that has been like oh like oh there's anxiety there like not a big deal like um okay. i can just return back right. to the breath and then it kind of like it doesn't stoke it and it kind of settles and i get more relaxed and it kind of passes and the sm like maybe i'll think about the smile on my face or something yeah um, we can replace it with something wholesome like or as yeah. soon as we let go of it, then something else can take its place. It's not so much exactly, that... Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because this dirty, stinky, smelly smoke does not have to be there the next moment. The next moment, by changing the fuel, now the smoke that we're putting off is pleasant perfume. Yeah. Doesn't have to be the stinky stuff. Okay, so... Yeah, then my mind's not yeah jumping back to it. Exactly. Now, here's a way of, of finishing that metaphor with the itch of the mosquito bite that, in fact, 
with mindfulness and knowing what I'm doing, I can take, this is what we have here in Thailand. It's uh, actually a little container that we open and it's got a bomb in it. Yeah. And we take that bomb and we put it on that mosquito bite and we love it. And we rub that nourishment in saying this mosquito bite is not going to be an issue. I've got just the right product for it. Yeah. So, okay. So now we're nurturing it. We're caring for it. We're giving, we're nurturing it. We're medicating it. Okay. All right. So this is how we want to treat the mind also. Would we do that with like the building blocks we were talking about earlier? Like, no, no, this is in the sense of changing the kind of thoughts from um, unwholesome, harmful thoughts, the scratching, into nurturing thoughts of caring for it. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, when the lawyer is thinking about the court case, he can say, oh, well, never mind. We don't have to go to court until next week. I'll be really, really prepared quite well right now. I can just relax. Mm-hmm. I can sit at home and read the newspaper or whatever and actually read the newspaper. But many lawyers are going to sit at home trying to read the newspaper and they keep thinking about that court case they've got coming up. Yeah. So the mind keeps burning and smoldering and, and whatnot over that court case and he can't enjoy the moment. We want to add good fuel to the fire. We want to give it something else to do. We want to give it good fuel for the fire. Yeah. The good fuel for the fire is like the the medication that I just showed you, the bomb for the mosquito bite. That, for us, would be wholesome thoughts. Wholesome thoughts. Never mind the court. Never mind the court. Never mind. Start again. Let's come back and let's just enjoy sitting here. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's enjoy the breath. Let's enjoy this moment. Let's enjoy the body and all of the sensory input that's coming into the body right here, right now. Let's relax. The job is done. We don't have to think about the court case right now. It'd be more of like a, I am relaxed though, right? Like it'd be a, Wow, this is nice. I'm so relaxed. Exactly yeah. is the way to do it. Not I should relax because I should relax is more critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like, ooh, like let's, it's, like, it's not like I need to move this direction. It's like I'm relaxed. Like we extinguish ah. the fire, like, or we put out the dirty fire, then we like mm-hmm. let a right. more wholesome fire build. <laughs> My metaphors right. are getting really stretched, but yeah. Right. So that movement, ah, I got it. Yeah. And that's like, well, yeah, it's instant. It's not like a moving. It's instant, exactly. That's sati. It's just like, ah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Happens in one mind moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that, and that, uh, as we progress in our practice, that becomes an instant change of attitude. Mm Mm-hmm. From, oh, I've got all of this work to do. I've got this court case to do in the sense of, ah, never mind. Yeah. I don't have anything to do. Thing, And then we have thoughts like, you know, everything is really good. I've had so many court cases. I'm a successful lawyer. Everything is all right. Everything is fine. Yeah. Good to go. This moment is wonderful. 
the job that I needed to do was to stop thinking about the court case. Stop thinking about the court case, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the only work that we have to do is to put that test, to put that work down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can, yeah, put the work down and then, yeah, like it goes back kind of the unremitting thing you were talking about. Well, the unremitting mindfulness means that at any time that we catch ourselves doing work, we put it down. Yeah. And yeah, we notice whenever we're back on that court case. We just put it down. We just keep yeah. putting it down. We, uh, I'm already good. I've already gone and done what I need to do. I don't need to do anything right now. Yeah. And, and so we come into a state of really comfort and ease because every time we can think of something to do, we remind ourselves, hey, I don't have to do that now. Yeah. So, like, I guess what are the elements that we were talking about had to do with the... Uh, our process of, you know, waking up, you know, not stoking these unwholesome fires and building wholesome, like in, mm -hmm. in like cultivating wholesome or like adding wholesome right. things. Now, in the very beginning, uh, we begin to, for the beginner, let us say that thought is almost always verbal dialogue. Mm -hmm. In the sense that you're talking to yourself, but there's also an audience in there that's listening to yourself talk. These two states would be in burned and uh, uh, Freudian language would be the parent and the child or the superego and the id. Mm -hmm. Okay, the uh, the superego is what Freud called um, the the. All of the learned behavior, everything that you're you're taught. In other words, daddy felt that way. Therefore, I feel that way, too, because I learned how to feel in that certain situation from my dad. And so daddy knows how to feel. He knows how to slam the door and and uh, uh, drive the car fast away when he's angry at mom. Dang, that's that's spooky. I never thought about like my the words i'm listening to them in my head <laughs> for some reason i never thought like yeah I'm like listening to this thing in my head like berate me it's like there's an audience for those words that was i'd never thought of that like yeah framing. that's really interesting <laughs> yes and the audience is the child ego state the one who feels yeah okay so we actually go around hurting our own feelings constantly with criticism Oh, I did wrong there. And we do it in the, in the sense of, well, what would they have thought about me? An example of that would be like I would be on the Internet and I'm talking to a student and we're having a really good time. And then an hour later, I think about what I said and I said, wow, I bet a whole lot of people on the Internet when they hear that video are going to be really angry at me because I said something stupid. Right. Yeah. Well, guess what? We we don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. I need to see the thought that I'm having right now of, I bet things, people will think I'm stupid. I'm calling myself stupid right then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I have the bad feelings about it. I don't have to ever listen to any criticism or comments from YouTube because I'm already doing all the criticism and all the bad feelings in advance. Yeah. Okay, but when I catch that, I can say, wait a minute, I don't care what people say. I can feel good right now. I don't have to go over that in order to make myself feel bad. 
Yeah, that's... I can stop being critical of myself and just enjoy my life. That you're already okay. Yeah, so we could wake up and see that the thought, like, see the thought and, like, not stoke it anymore and then replace it with, like, a better thought. Um, that seemed, for whatever reason, like, thoughts and, like, sight things seem really hard to disassociate from, like, kind of in the context we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's probably because we kind of build our, like, personalities around them, or, like, at least the self-talk. That's what a personality is. The personality is, in fact, the dialogue between the parent ego state and all the critical thoughts and the way that the child inside feels about all of this criticism that Mm -hmm. the parent is is giving, which means it's all learned behavior. We Mm -hmm. learn how to be critical of ourselves, and then we learn how to respond to that criticism. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I guess, like, kind of what you're saying, too, is, like, the order is mind, thoughts, like, self-talk received by the hearing, like, child, and then Mm -hmm. bad feelings. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so... It's not like the feelings are ourselves. It's not like there's this other audience that's receiving that and then being like, oh, I I feel bad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's use this example. The example is, is that uh, mom goes into the kitchen and she sees that the trash needs to be taken out. So she calls her teenage son and says, take the trash out. Mm-hmm. Well, he does take the trash out. He does what he's told to do, but it's hard work. He resents it. Oh, mom, do I have to? Now let's take the position of now the teenage son on his own without any prompting from mom at all walks into the kitchen and sees what a mess it is, possibly a mess that he had previously caused himself. And so he says, well, this needs to be cleaned up. And so he takes that trash out, but now him taking it out is a lot easier to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now let's analyze that a little bit. The first time he was told to do it by mommy, critical. Mom is critical. He's in the child ego state. Mom says, you go take out the trash. And little Johnny says, okay, I'll do it, but I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Now that I'll do it, but I don't like it is the way every child approaches every homework assignment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, from personal I'll experience, I can vouch for that. Mm-hmm. I'll do it, but I don't like it. Now let's look at it from the position of he goes into the bat, uh, into the kitchen himself and sees that trash and says, "Wow, I'd be better off without this mm-hmm. stuff out." Okay, that's so enjoyable. Now let's take this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Let's take this from the outside example of a real mom with a real teenager in a real kitchen with real trash and talk about it mentally. So that now we have a set of rules and the rule says, you need to go take out the trash. Mm -hmm. And so the child inside says, okay, I'll take out the trash, but I won't like it. This is the way that a lot of people will do meditation. 
in the sense of, oh, you should not have unwholesome thoughts. All right, I'll get rid of the unwholesome thoughts, but I'll do it unwholesomely. Yeah. Okay. And then the new way of doing it is with the adult or changing that critical mind uh, parent into a nurturing parent. And now we can go in and we can say, wow, wouldn't it be a whole lot better off if I didn't have to think about that? And the answer is, yeah, let me go take that trash out and then we can be okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So now we're looking at it from a different perspective is, are we being critical using a set of rules? Or are we being nurturing looking at the way things really are? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so this is how we begin to operate with Anapanasati, is when we wake up in this mind moment, we're going to start giving it better fuel. Okay. Instead of scratching it, we're going to give it a bomb. Instead of criticizing ourselves and saying, oh, you should take out the trash. It's very bad to have all of this trash in the mind. Why don't you get rid of this trash? Okay, I'll get rid of the trash. You're right. I've got to do it. Instead, we have the, the attitude, aha, I see that trash. Out it goes. Wow, I'm so much better off without it. Okay. And so, like, the things we want to give it, the positive things, those are wholesome things. Um, would those be the factors? like? rest or like satisfaction and things like that or is that not a good way of looking well, at it within within the context of anapanasati what we're actually talking about is the fire of the mind we're changing the fuel okay we're changing so we're the swapping fuel out the fuel and that's going to be dependent on the like mind activity so if it's thought then maybe that's replacing it with good thoughts mm -hmm. That's something we could work with, like, exactly. like, ah, like, it'd be great to just get this trash out, like, and, like, it'll make this area look way better, um, mm -hmm. and then you can take it out, and then you can feel good that you took it out. Exactly. This is why we talk about it gladdening the mind. Now, uh, gladdening the mind is step 10 of Anapanasati, but if you look at it in the context of four by four by four by four, we can say one, two, three, four is the body, five, six, seven, eight is the feelings 9 10 11 and 12 are the mind 13 14 15 and 16 then is the mind's objects okay or the air okay so the fire itself is the fire of the mind what's the state what's the condition of the fire what kind of fuel is the fire burning okay because what we want to do is eliminate all of the unwholesome or the, the heavy smoke that's coming out so that our fire is, bright, uh, is burning brightly. This is what we mean by the mind is now free. Okay, and the so mind is now free, step, yeah. So that's step 11, is to free the mind. And then step uh, um, 12 is samadhi mind and what we mean by that is now it's organized a lot of people think of that step meaning oh now the mind is really concentrated and really focused mm. but another way of looking at it is that it's really focused except that now it's focused on anything that comes sure so we're looking at the mind's objects 
And one way of looking at the mind's objects is through like the, the, the elements, like fire, air, earth, and water. And mm-hmm. um, we could say like the fire, we could observe and say like, oh, the fire element is present really here. And there's, uh, you could also notice that there's a lot of clouds in the sky. There's a lot of dirty smoke. And then mm-hmm. you could use that information to, um, well, like wake up, you know, not stoke that fire. Um, and you know, apply that fire exactly. Thoughts like, yeah, put some wholesomeness in there. Gladden the well, I guess gladdening the mind kind of comes before that, but like you can, well, not before that because it's not well, a sequence. Gladdening exactly, the but. mind is, in fact, the decisional quality of actually changing the fuel. Okay, yeah, or we're changing the fuel. Stoking yeah. the fire. Okay. yeah, so that makes sense. So, yeah, we can like get a good, we can get an accurate read of the situation, we can know what you know, ingredient needs to be added or like what, a, you know, what thoughts like, um, you know, uh, what could help that's, us feel better. Yeah. That's exactly what we need then in that reference. It would be step nine of Anapanasati is take a look at what's going on. That's the investigation. What's the state of mind that we're in? Is it, um, uh, a smoldering fire that's full of smoke and foul smell and all of that kind of stuff, or are we going to put in better fuel for that yeah. fire? Yeah, we can put in better fuel. the fire altogether. And so <laughs> thoughts are just like, thoughts are a good example because like, that's something that happens a lot, like this negative self-talk and stuff. But I guess like there's other types of like uh, sensations and whatnot that you could also apply that to, like what, I don't know, um, touch like mental touch or like mental i don't know whatever the other site mental like image or like mental things these are other like things we could add wholesome that other wholesome things not just thought but thought is also one thing that we could do depending well, on the situation i use a very very broad uh definition of the word thought okay i'm probably yeah, just being too specific one there. kind of thought would be the kind of thought that has verbal components of, of a verbal kind of thought perhaps mm-hmm. a dialogue something like while i'm sitting here watching youtube the verbal thought comes i should be meditating yeah this is kind of like the mental work and the ways that it expresses right. itself, not just right. the thought. It's just right. But there's another way of, of, of thinking that is, in fact, the language of the child ego state. It's the parent that thinks in thought. Mm-hmm. The child thinks in a language called feeling. Mm-hmm. And so when we're feeling something, that may be mixed with verbal thought, but it's the thought of fe- of the of the feeling, yeah. mainly the feeling of not liking, and so I I feel depressed, like and a, so that like a version or right or anxiety or anger or fear or any of those kind of things uh, is the expression of the child. That's the way the child thinks. So we can think about like a wholesome, we can have a, a wholesome expression thought. <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a way of, of uh, looking at it is to talk about the reptilian brain. Yeah. Okay. Anything that an alligator can do that you can do, you do with the same part of the brain that the alligator does it with. 
Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that we are pretty sure about alligators is, never mind Dr. Zeus and magic, alligators don't talk. Which means yeah. the part of the brain that we have that is uh, the reptilian brain that is identical in scope and features to the, uh, to the reptilian brain that an alligator has, the alligator does an awful lot of communication. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't do it with words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we also have a whole thought pattern system going on that is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And and the uh, communication system is the communication of feeling. So if we have critical thoughts in the sense of verbal thoughts of, of criticism, like, well, what if a whole lot of people hate what you just said? That would be a critical thought that's in words. The, yeah. the child inside is now going to dialogue um or have the response, which is a thought of feeling bad, feeling terrified, feeling pressure, feeling, oh no, something bad's going to happen. But that's a feeling, not a verbal language word kind of thought, but it's certainly a thought. Yeah, so like pressure, that, um, so like maybe if I'm feeling anxious, um, I feel like pressure in my chest or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so I could, wake up, notice the pressure, um, put out the fire, then um, think, like, just, like, think um, no pressure, like, no tightness. Uh And then that would be one way of introducing wholesomeness there, like... uh, Yes, it would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have heard me say this before. Let's now put that in the context of you spent so many years talking yourself into feeling bad. Now is time to talk yourself into feeling good. Yeah. Now let's break that down into the language that we're talking about now in the sense of the critical parent has been giving critical uh, language kind of thoughts, thinking those, and then the child on the inside then responds to those uh, thoughts, uh, verbal thoughts of criticism with anxious feelings on the inside. Yeah. And so the child responds to the verbal dialogue that's critical by feeling bad. By, oh, yeah, I've got to go take out the trash. I'll do it, but it's going to be a lot of work, and I don't like doing it. Yeah, like the child is hurt by that feeling, like even mm-hmm. if it's not a verbal thought, like maybe if it's like a, um, yeah, like that pressure, like a pressure thought or something like that, then the mm-hmm. child's like reacting and be like aversion, like, I don't want that. Like, get me away from exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So when we wake up, which is actually now the adult in the room wakes up, we now can let us even be in a happy kind of way. We're going to put pressure on the parent ego state or the verbal part to say, no, we're now going to have nurturing verbal speech. Mm-hmm. Now the parent is going to be nurturing yeah. to the child inside. And so now that we're nurturing that child on the inside, we're putting bomb on that uh, uh, mosquito bite of the mind that it begins to feel better. Yeah, there's like nurturing. No... So now yeah. we're talking ourselves into feeling good. 
This is how it works. And and so uh, can we watch this dialogue that's going on between the, the parent and the child, which could in the Buddhist language or in fact in the Satipatthana that we're talking about, is that when the chitta or when the fire burns correctly with right fuel, then uh, there is no stench. And the stench is, in fact, what the child responds to. But stench when the, is what the when, child, yeah. Yeah. The, feel, but the feeling, when, or when not the feelings, nurturing, the, Exactly. Yeah. When it's nurturing, then now the child is satisfied hmm. with that fire. That the we can look at the burning. response, and that's kind of a good indicator of mm-hmm. what's going, what's happening. Yeah. Right, so this is how, and when the child then feels good, then the body itself is going to relax. Mm-hmm. And so you can see the interplay in there, that we can, in fact, the mind, if we're, uh, if we're putting good fuel in it, then the feelings will respond to that good fuel. Yeah. And then the body will respond to the feelings. And that's what, also, yeah. there are certain kind of feelings that we have that affect the mind. For instance, if you can um, uh, get someone angry just before some kind of contest, then you can take an advantage. That's one of the reasons why, you know, WWE, the um, World Federation yeah. of Wrestling? Yeah. Okay. Before the fight, what do they do? They, they yell and they other. scream <laughs> and they tell how bad the other guy is. Now... Because this is all fake, it's not real. He's actually saying all of those terrible, detrimental things about his opponent to work up the audience. Mm -hmm. But in reality, we would say all those detrimental things about our opponent to work up the opponent. Because we want him to be angry and frustrated and uh, um, uh, not able to think straight. Sure, yeah. This is exactly what happened in 1972 World uh, Championship of uh, Chess with Bobby Fischer and Boris Spassky. Is that Bobby Fischer was not as good a chess player as Boris Spassky, but he played psychological games on him to get Boris Spassky frustrated. And because of that, uh, Bobby Fischer was able to win that contest. But this is also in debates. No, hon- no ad hominem attacks, which means you cannot attack your opponent. You can only attack his position. Why mm-hmm. is that? Because if you can get somebody frustrated and angry, he can't think straight. Yeah, they'll be like at a reduced capacity. Their mind will be focused on the bad because words. Because of the like, bad, bad, smelly uh, yeah. fuel that we put into his mind. And so now his mind is smoldering with bad, smelly fuel, and he's not on top of his game. Yeah, it's like you're cutting off access to the, like all the chess knowledge because like too busy looking at the other stuff. So now we can see that um, if we can talk our opponent into uh, being angry and uptight, then a lot of the feelings of his body will go into being uh, uptight also. And yeah. so we can see that everything affects each other. Unlike yeah. the elements, uh, natural elements, that like argon, for instance, doesn't get affected by much of anything mm-hmm. because it's stable. It's got just enough valence electrons that it's happy. 
So it's like. So some things have excess electrons and some things have too many electrons, and that's why they bond together in molecules. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So we think about it that way, too, is that, all right, um, we think of criticism in the sense of not enough or too many. Mm -hmm. And so we want to go out to combine with others that have just the right amount so that we can now our oxygen and their hydrogen can come water and water stable. Right. So that's what we can look at is, is that, okay, the noble mind then is like Argon who has all he needs. He's nurtured and sufficient. And therefore does. It's kind of like what's, we can look at that child, like see what it's doing. Is it running away from things that are painful? Is it, you know, mm -hmm. getting drawn drawn towards like uh, the things senses? That he likes. Uh -huh. Yeah, like is it going towards these things, or is it just sitting there resting and happy? Um, or is it just sitting there resting and happy? That's what we're looking at: is to come out of our criticism, and the criticism either I like it and I want it, or I don't like it and have to get rid of it, or I'm not sure whether I like it or not. Yeah, the three wise feelings uh -huh. are the feelings of everything is really okay. Everything yeah. is fine. And it took me a long time to figure out that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, when he's talking about four kinds of feelings. The What's four the... kinds of feelings are, I like it. I don't like it. I'm not sure whether I like it or not. And those are all critical thoughts. The fourth kind of thought is the nurturing kind of thought of, well, everything is okay. Mm -hmm. No problems. Yeah. I don't have to figure out whether I like it or not. In the, when we're at that level, like it goes back to the dependent origination you're talking about, because that's where like tanha or like craving meets point of contact, right? Exactly. I'm thinking about it here at the point of contact. At the point of contact is when feelings arise. They either yeah. arise as I like it, a critical thought, or it arises as I don't like it, another critical thought. That's really critical. And then the thought of I'm not sure whether I like it or not, which is trying to make it critical. Mm hmm. Okay, yeah. and that's the thought of confusion, which leads to doubt, sometimes worry, uh, sometimes fear. And you can see it uh, in politics when they say better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Mm -hmm. Right? Fear of the unknown. Okay? And so that's why I don't know whether I like it or not, is that it's unknown. All three of these are critical. And normally that third kind of thought that we have, uh, the thought of, I'm not sure whether I like it or not, almost always goes into, well, I should not like it because it might be dangerous. Yeah. This is why people will attack a, a, a stranger thinking that they're an enemy. Because it's better, better to, to uh, strike an enemy than it is to invite the enemy in to be friends, and then he takes advantage. Yeah, they could hurt you. So, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like, we can look at, um, you know, where's the, what's, what's this, what's our internal state like? Are we getting pulled towards something? Or, like, 
you know, are, are those four things or are those three feelings there? Or sorry, I'm maybe not feelings, but like, is are we? Yeah. Do we not like it? Do we like it? Or are we not sure about it? Figure out. We're not sure. Trying we're to trying figure to figure out. out. Do I like it or not like it? But if those there's three kinds the of feelings one, are all critical and they're all painful. Yeah. The fourth kind of feeling, wise feeling, is everything's okay. Everything is hunky dory. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to figure out whether I like it or not. It's all right. Yeah. And so with the Satyavatana, like there's a lot about knowing where you're at so we can like put these fires out. Um, and there's tools and there's like it's a toolkit. Um, so like mm -hmm. you have the, you, the four elements. We could, you know, look at it through that lens, I guess. Um, that could help exactly. us figure out where the fires are. Maybe we could look at repulsion. That could help mm -hmm. us figure out where these like, uh, you know, what the child is having difficulty with and kind of rambling. But like, these are ways that we can assess our internal state and uh, figure out what fires to put out and like uh, yes. what to replace it with. Yes, exactly. So the waking up or the sati part of the patana is, is that we wake up the body. We wake it up by watching the breath. We wake it up by noticing what we're doing with our hands. We wake it up by watching the postures, etc., like that. This is how yeah. we wake up the body with the understanding that we will, number one, know it and know its tensions and whatever, so that number four item, we can relax the body and become relaxed. Hmm. Notice the tension in order to let it go. So that's the body component, but we actually have that same process going on with each of the Satipatthanas, each of the uh, items, in the yeah. sense of um, with the feelings now, instead of um, having bad feelings, and I'm meaning bad feelings like anger, frustration, anxiety, sadness, grief, fear, those are the feelings within the Anapanasati Sutta. Uh, it is much more focused on the very, very positive feelings that we can have that will come through the nurturing. And okay. that is a sense of well-being, a sense that everything is OK, a sense that uh, things are safe, that I'm satisfied, that I'm content. And these are the feelings that we are actually going to foster, generate with the kind of fuel that we're going to put in the mind is going to now be burning, not burning hot for um, depression and anger and sadness and fear. Now it's going to be a cool fire that's going to result in the feeling of okay, the feeling of um, uh, ease, the feeling of success. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we can we can use that Anapanasati Sutta. That shows us the product, like the uh, the mm -hmm. result of sa uh, the Satipatthana, it's like this sort of practice. To get the child feeling comfortable. Yeah, so it describes the happy child. And then the, uh -huh. Yeah, and this is the other ones like, how do you how do you know what the child's up to? How do you know what's going on? Um, OK, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the answer to that is look at what you're saying to the child and you can figure out how the child feels. If you're yeah, being exactly. critical of the child, he's feeling bad. He may do what you're telling him to do. He may be able to hide his bad feelings. But if you're criticizing the child, he's going to feel bad. If you're yeah, look at the point the of contact. Child, like he's going to feel good. 
Yeah. And so this is where that key ingredient that's missing in so many practices of meditation is that feeling of uh, well-being that is manufactured through the process of gladdening the mind. Yeah. Putting the right fuel on that fire. Hmm. Yeah, wonderful. That's... Yeah, I mean, all this is very helpful. Great. Well, we've been at it now nearly an hour and a half. Let's finish now. And yeah. uh, you can go put this into practice in the sense of being mindful to put in the correct kind of fuel. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I have my sticky notes on my chair. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> That's been going really well to permit me to wake up. Great. Yeah. Yes, I remember we talking about that. Yeah, a sticky note. Yeah, that's been super helpful. Sorry. I just saw it in the air out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> okay, Clint. Well, let's finish up now, and we'll yeah. see you in a few. Yeah, thank okay. you very much. Have a good evening. You too. Well, 